It is Friday, August 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us now to continue our Team Insider series is the deputy editor for Horseshoe Huddle, the Colts blog on SI.com's Fan Nation. He is co-host of the Locked on Colts podcast. He is at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter. Jake Arthur, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be with you. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting some insight on this Indianapolis team. And of course, the biggest change for the Colts from last year is another quarterback switch. So, so far, what are the biggest differences between the Matt Ryan Colts and the Carson Wentz Colts? Yeah, so if you're looking at it this time of year, we really didn't see much Carson Wentz because he had had that foot issue, I think, in the second practice. So, missed pretty much all of training camp. Uh, But just kind of watching Carson throughout a full season and what we've seen from Matt Ryan so far. Uh, Ryan pretty much checks all the boxes for Frank Reich and what he wants in a quarterback. If you just gave him Carson or Andrew Luck's mobility or something, he would literally be the quarterback that Frank Reich would create in a lab. It, it seems like um, the, the leadership is off the charts. He's holding guys accountable. He doesn't have to be asked or babysat to do anything. Uh, he, he's kind of running the show during practice. Uh, the, the Colts' first two training camp practices actually ended 10 minutes early each because he had everything so up-tempo because he was controlling everything. Uh, but, no, he's just uh, – his football acumen is really sharp. Uh, you can see him making checks at the line and getting guys in the right spots and moving in and out of things, just a lot of communication. Uh, whereas last year, I mean, not to dog on him, we, we've we, – I think we've all had a phase this offseason where we've kind of done our Carson Wentz chapters. Um but there's just like a lot of times Carson wouldn't see things before the snap. It seemed like you could see an extra blitzer coming off of the line. You're okay. You're like, surely he sees that and they run right into it. Uh, Matt, I don't think we'll ever do that. Um, he's he, if, pretty much, you're going to take Phillip rivers, football IQ and study stuff. And you're going to put it in, I guess, a more physically capable body. Cause Matt Ryan is a little older. He doesn't really have that mobility anymore. Uh, but the arm strength is still there. It's perfectly fine. Uh, I, I think we're going to see this offense operating at its at its highest efficiency since Andrew Luck. Um, Luck pretty much completely opened the playbook and allowed Frank to call whatever. And I think it's going to be really reminiscent of that with Matt Ryan under center. Covering Phillip Rivers had to be more fun than either Carson Wentz <laughs> or Matt Ryan, though, right? Unfortunately, it was the COVID season, oh, so you right. know we, we didn't have open locker rooms and stuff like that. So I feel robbed on that one. I, I didn't get to experience the. I got to experience Philip through Zoom. That was about it. Oh man, yeah, that yeah. doesn't seem anywhere near close. No. <laughs> Jake, you you mentioned the up tempo in practice. Is that going to continue into the games? Because last year the Colts were dead last in offensive pace. They finished twenty second mm-hmm. in offensive plays run. Do you expect those numbers to climb significantly with with Ryan under center? Yeah, I do. Cause that's, that's kind of his thing. He just wants everything to, to get going. It's mostly now he, he will get the ball out of his hands quicker. He'll go through his reads quicker and just, you know, he'll, he'll account for pressure and things like that and just get the ball out of his hands. But it's really the space in between snaps that he's hurrying guys up and, and making all that happen. So I think he is, he's probably most comfortable in an up tempo scheme like that. And, the Colts, you know, they, they kind of offer 
an, an interesting package of pass catchers and runners. So I think that's what he's going to lean on with how much he's going to spread the ball around. And they're going to be really reliant on yards after catch too. So like Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, you'll see a lot of that going on. I think that will speed things up as well. Not having such long distances during plays. So you mentioned Naheem Hines, lots of buzz on him really all offseason. Started with Frank Reich, I think, at the owners' meeting, sort of mm-hmm. talking him up. And it's continued in training camp with the coaches and, and the media talking Hines up. Now, how much bigger of a role do you expect him to play this season? And then, you know, where are his touches going to come from? Is he going to steal from Jonathan Taylor's work? Is he going to, you know, take some of what T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal are leaving behind? How do you see Hines' role playing out this year? Yeah, so they they love what they have in Hines, and I think they now have the perfect quarterback to get him the ball. Uh, we've, we've seen when Hines is paired with a quarterback like this, he will get the ball. Uh, he had 63 catches in each of his seasons with Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers. It's two guys that like to get running backs involved. But with Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz, numbers dipped pretty, pretty drastically. Uh, so the expectation is that he's going to go back up to these high numbers. Uh, he actually he was involved really heavily in the passing game last year, just didn't really get the targets. Uh, He lined up at receiver either in the slot or outside in a career high 120 snaps last year. And that was up from like, he's done 70 and 80 a couple other times. So it's a pretty significant jump. They want to get him and Jonathan on the field at the same time, whether it's trying to trick the defense or just literally because it's two of their best playmakers. Um, those guys really aren't going to harm each other's usage. I, I know it's easy from a fantasy perspective to see it that way, but that's really not how they, they plan on doing it. I mean, he had uh, Naheem had his best season in 2020 when he had to split things early with Marlon Mack and then Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins throughout the year, and it was his best season. Uh, I, I kind of see it being really reminiscent of that. It was like over 850 yards from scrimmage and seven touchdowns, I think. Uh, so I, I I think it's going to look a lot like that. Um, but Naheem as a player is terrific. They want to get him the ball. They just they've had to try to find ways to do it in years where the quarterback isn't as sharp. But they really like what Matt Ryan is going to be able to do for him. Yeah, it's a great point on the different spots that they can line up Naheem Hines and especially on where they lined him up last year. Because like you said, when we're looking at it just from a numbers standpoint, you think there's only so many going to the running back. So if it's not going to Hines, it's going to go to Taylor. And if it does go to Hines, it's taking from Taylor. But Mm -hmm. Naheem Hines has the skill set that can allow him to contribute to what's normally wide receiver type stuff for other teams, right? Exactly. It's I, I don't want to really compare him to like Debo Samuel or Cordero Patterson or something, but those guys have their own position almost. So it really doesn't affect that starting running back as much. Um, Naheem is just, he, I don't know, he, he's his own position really. They like to have both those guys out there. If they have to put both of them in the backfield and shotgun or put Naheem in the slaughter outside, they'll they'll get him on the field plenty. So you mentioned the interesting wide receiver core. Uh, Obviously, Michael Pittman's the leader after breaking out last year, really. Mm -hmm. Do you expect Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce to come out in week one as the number two wide receiver? Yeah, so right now through camp, we're six practices through, and the, the top three receivers have been pretty set in stone. It's been Pittman one, Alec Pierce has been the other outside receiver with Paris in the slot. And depending on what they're doing, otherwise, when it's two receiver sets, I think Paris is probably going to get more run there. 
they've wanted Paris to be that other guy for years now. It's just been the injuries that have that have been the issue. And in fairness to him, he's looked great whenever he's healthy and on the field. He just keeps having these these fluky things. So, yeah, when, when week one starts, I expect Paris to be that that second receiver. Alec Pierce will eventually come along. He looks fine so far, and he's he's kind of getting thrown into the fire against Stephon Gilmore. Uh, so he's he's getting some on the job training from one of the best. Uh, so he'll probably be that probably will speed up his development a little bit. But if I had to give the edge to someone right now, it'd probably be Campbell. He's a lot farther along. Mm-hmm. And it is worth noting that it is more fluky type injuries. He's had different stuff yeah. each year. It's not recurring stuff. So, yeah. you know, you look at a guy that's missed as much time as he has and you think he's injury prone. But if he's for fantasy purposes, if he's mm-hmm. if you're making him go late in drafts and you're making, you know, a modest bet, then if he stays healthy, all of a sudden it could click because, you know, it just from an, from an outside perspective, it seemed like Frank Reich has been waiting for Paris Campbell to be able to put it together. Yeah. Yeah, Frank loves Paris Campbell. That was that was one of the guys since he's been in town that he stood on the table for. When, I mean, not that the front office didn't love Campbell, but when they drafted him, that was really a here Merry Christmas, Frank. That that was kind of <laughs> you know how it was. But no, Paris wasn't hurt in college. Uh, he's not a guy. He doesn't like pull hamstrings and groins. He doesn't have all those soft tissue things. He you know he had a core muscle injury that required a procedure as a, a rookie. Uh, he broke a foot, a hand. Harrison Smith drilled him in the knee in 2020 in week two and, and messed his knee up. It's it's all like legitimate injuries. They're just all happening to one guy. And it he's he's had terrible luck with it. Uh, but it's it's all stuff you can't really avoid. It's hard to trust from a fantasy perspective, but really good late round sleeper. He's someone I've been trying to target there in the teens if I can. He's looked good in camp so far, right? Like it doesn't seem like oh, any yeah. of these injuries have have sapped his explosion or speed. Nope he's he's a really crisp route runner. He's a sudden guy, and he's one of the fastest players on the field, no matter who else yep. is out there. So uh, they still it looks like they still very much want to use him downfield. So I'm impressed that all these injuries don't seem to have taken a toll on his athleticism. But from what I can tell, they haven't. Awesome. How about a tight end? Uh, is Mo Alley Cox kind of locked in as the top guy there? Do you think Jelani Woods, Kylan Granson will have an impact this season? I, I saw you were hyping up uh, Drew Ogletree yeah. lately. Um, yeah. So so how do you see that position playing out? Their, their tight ends have gotten really interesting. Uh, Mo Alley Cox is, he's certified the top guy right now. Um, he's had the most consistent role throughout camp. Matt Ryan really seems to like him and kind of rely on him on a security basis. You know, if, if he gets flushed out of the pocket and is looking for someone to give him, get him a few yards on the boundary, it's usually Mo. Uh, so he's kind of set in that top role. But outside of that, it's it's anyone's guess as to who's going to be the tight end two, three, or four. Uh, we're, we're pretty confident they're going to keep four. But what that looks like is just, I don't know. Drew, Drew Ogletree has been, has looked the best outside of Mo. Um, Kylan Granson is the second year guy who you kind of thought would grandfather into that second role, but he hasn't been all that, that, uh, used all that much outside of really one day. And then Jelani Woods has looked better in one-on-ones than he has in team stuff. Uh, he may be someone who takes a little time to develop, Yeah, but man, I don't know if, if I was going at it from a fantasy perspective, the only one I'd be comfortable with was Mo. I think the other three guys are just going to be very role-based initially. Um, but yeah, Drew Ogletree has, has really looked like the best of the rest, um, of the four. 
Do you think, um, you know, with, I guess, some questions behind Mo Cox and with Jack Doyle out of the picture now, mm -hmm. do you think we'll see more three wide receiver sets from the Colts this season? I think so, uh, just because Jack could do so much, both as a receiver and a blocker. Uh, I mean, he was a chain mover as a receiver. He's not like a Travis Kelsey by any means. Um, but I do think this offense with the personnel they have, I expect to see a lot of three receiver stuff, just because I think they want to have Pittman Pierce and Campbell on the field yeah. as often as they can. The other guys I think they'll use in mismatch situations, kind of like when Eric Ebron was around. Uh, Ebron didn't see the field a ton. So it's like when he was on the field, he was getting the ball. Yeah. I think that's going to be a little bit what it's like. Um, Woods and Ogletree will probably be the field stretchers, you know, getting up the seam. And Kylan Granson is their yards after catch guy. So probably get him on slants and some things on pick plays and things like that with Mo Alley Cox kind of serving as the, you know, middle of the field and outside boundary type of guy. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting I group for sure. How big is Mo Alley Cox actually in person? <laughs> He's huge, and his hands yeah. are enormous. Uh, like I, I think, I think at one time he had like the longest wingspan in the NFL, or at least for tight ends or something. And his hand again, his hands are enormous. Uh, but Drew Ogletree and Jelani Woods, I think, are even bigger than he is. Um, <laughs> like Kylan Granson is not a small guy by any means, but he gets yeah. dwarfed by the other three. He's like I don't know six two, six three. Like yeah, the other guy is absolutely shrinking. <laughs> imagine being that big a guy and you're like oh these are my big brothers like, yeah on the football field and they have a they have a tackle that's six nine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're just testing the limits it sounds like yeah it's a huge group <laughs> yeah so the offense is all well and good but over the past few years the biggest fantasy difference maker for anybody who plays with idps in a colts uniform has been the linebacker formerly known as darius leonard shaquille mm -hmm. leonard he's going by now how is his health right now? He had the nagging ankle injury that's been going for a while and still wasn't out of the picture this summer. And then he had the back surgery that probably is what put him on the pup. Um, mm -hmm. what, how are things looking for him? What are they saying about him? What's he saying about it? Uh, any recent update hasn't really given much info. It's just kind of he'll be ready when he's ready. But he's been out there watching from the sidelines every day and he looks good. I mean, he doesn't seem to be laboring when he walks or anything like that. Now, I, I, since it's a back, I mean, right. that's real tricky. I'm sure they want it 100% before they throw him out there. But they have, they've they stopped short of guaranteeing he'll be out there by week one. But I, I don't know. It, that, that's just a tricky one. I okay. Knowing him, I don't know that he's going to miss much regular season time. But shortly after he had the back procedure, you know, they, they said they expected him to miss some training camp time, but that they hope to have him back before training camp's over. So... They won't give a timeline, but the prognosis doesn't sound like it's going to be something that bleeds deep into the season by any means. Now, he's on pup, so if he stays on there, that's, what, four or six games? Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't gotten any indication yet that he's supposed to miss a ton of regular season time. Yeah, and it'll be something certainly to watch as we get closer and let's hope not into the regular season. But like you alluded to, he had that ankle thing all last year and played through it the whole season. Yeah, he, him coming into camp, with dealing with some sort of injury is nothing new. I think he's only come into camp from day one, like maybe once in his career. Uh, so he's the type of guy where he doesn't need a ton of practice time. Like he's a very instinctive player, as you can see anytime you watch him anyways, that's, that's a lot of what his game is, is reliant upon. 
he 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 said when we asked him about it, he's like, football's football. I don't think I'm going to need a lot of practice time to get ready for it. And he it was like he was playing on one leg last year, and he had a terrific season. Mm-hmm. Bunch of forced fumbles, still had the the pick numbers over 100 tackles. So I'm not really concerned about him needing a ton of conditioning and like time to get ready. Once they activate him, he'll probably be ready to go shortly thereafter. What about Nick Cross? Is the rookie ready to take over Kari Willis's vacancy at safety? I think at some point this season he will. Uh, he started the first couple practices at strong safety alongside Julian Blackman. Uh, but as Rodney McLeod has gotten his legs under him a little more, he's kind of taken over that top strong safety role in the box. Uh, so I think they they definitely have plans for Cross to be the guy at some point this season, but they're not going to rush it. Like McLeod's a 10-year vet. They're safe with him being out there. Like they don't need to rush the rookie in there yet. But yeah, at some point, it will happen, I'm sure, because Willis took over Clayton Gather's job before him, like midway through the year. It'll probably be pretty similar to that, if I had to guess. And they definitely want Blackman in there. Yeah, Blackman is the guy at free safety in this new defense with Gus Bradley. He's that single high guy. He's he's very firmly in there, and he's coming back from his Achilles, but he's been in there since day one of camp, and he's looked terrific. You can't even tell that it happened, and that I knock on wood, but. He's looked terrific. I'm really happy to see him out there already. Nice. Well, we were very happy to have you come in and give your Colts insight. The deputy deputy editor of Fan Nation's Colts coverage. He is a co-host of the Locked On Colts podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at JakeArthurNFL. Jake, what should people look for from you coming up over the next few weeks and, you know, into the season too? Yeah, so the thing that keeps me busiest right now is I get my notes, I kind of empty my notebook uh, in an article every day after training camp practice. And then Monday through Friday, uh, Zach Hicks and I have our Locked On Colts podcast that uh, that we bring you guys. So that takes up most of my time uh, to shoot today. I'm going to have out a new roster prediction and kind of depth chart thing for the Colts after they've done six practices, kind of giving an update on some of the battles they've had. So Lots of training camp related content. Nice. Look forward to the Drew Ogletree update there. Uh-huh. Um, thanks, thanks again for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. You can find every episode of our Insider Series on DraftSharks.com, on our YouTube channel, on Spotify, on Apple, anywhere else that you like to get your podcasts. Become a DS Insider today. You can take advantage of our exclusive Draft War Room, the award-winning projections, and all the in-depth analysis. For our guest, Jake Arthur, for Jared Smola, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 